Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. Today, we have Casper on the line, a guy I often go to with questions about growth. And um, I think I wrote you a month or two back whether you wanted to join one of these lives. And uh, now recently, when we dis- there's been stuff happening both in your professional life and uh, as well as what main points of interest at the moment. So maybe yeah. you can kind of just like do the quick intro of yourself and then we can drill into the, today's topic of, of growth channels. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, hey, everyone. I'm Casper. Me and Stefan, we actually have known each other for quite some time now. So we're, we're a bit like good friends and we use each other as like a bit like sparring partners, right? Like it's uh, whenever we have an issue we can't solve, it's like, hey, hey, Stefan, how the fuck do I do this? But my background uh, essentially, uh, so I started my career in Trustpilot uh, where I kind of like got my first feet on the ground with marketing. And this was back when you could do social media in a cool way. You could do all these like social media monitoring, cool things. And then I moved over to Templify and I was uh, managing all the paid traffic for Templify, one of the other unicorns of Denmark, and eventually became head of growth there. And then over the last two and a half years, I've been head of marketing at a place called Compliant. And then last two years, I've been head of marketing at a company called uh, United Fintech, where I grew the marketing department from just me, from a total of five employees to 140 or something. So a marketing team of five plus uh, other stuff. So it's been it's been a kind of roller coaster, and now I'm uh, I've decided to do jump back into the pond again and start my own agency. So just B two B marketing, uh, Sparkforce is the name, and I focus exclusively on B two B. And I'm I like to call like so far it's been it's been four weeks, so it's pretty brand new. <laughs> but uh, I think the different approach is kind of like that. I'm a bit channel agnostic. I don't really care what you like, what you what the company does. Like uh, we should just do the right thing. So instead of selling, like typically if you go to an agency, they're like, they sell you boxes. Hey, you can buy this box. I'm like, we should do whatever works for you. Let's make sure we get to that. I think that's the main difference. Cool. So that was, that was a, the very short version for, for the people who don't know me or never heard of me before. Nice. Casper, why, uh, <laughs> why should we talk about this topic of, of like whether you should diversify growth channels or not? And what's your, what's your interest in that topic uh, at the moment? It's a pet peeve of mine, right? Like it's one of those topics that for some reason I keep coming back to it all the time. And now nowadays, of course, since I've gone uh, gone rogue and decided to make my own agency, right? Like uh, I speak to more and more customers. I've done like consulting on the side for the last five years, help think I counted to more than, uh, it's today it's more than 50 companies. So I've helped, I've seen a lot of ad setups. I've seen a lot of marketing setups in general. And one thing I've noticed is that people are reluctant to invest in multiple channels and they don't know why they would do so and they they don't understand the power and the risk of not the, the power of diversifying and the risk of not diversifying and it's it's a topic i keep coming back to because i i have multiple cases from my own career from when we were at templify i had a I have a really good case there from united fintech case and from the some of the people i've helped where if we would have diversified more it would have been a lot better I think it's a it's a really interesting topic. I keep coming back to it, and I think it's just um, it's not just a, it's not just a buzzword. It's a, it's one of those things where you can actively go in today and kind of change a few things 
and you'll see in overall your performance performs. Because I think what scares people the most by diversifying and typically the argument for not diversifying is, hey, uh, you should find the one that works, right? Like find a channel that works for you. And that I, I totally agree, especially when you're like in the early phase, that's what you want to do. But there comes a point where that's not what you want to do anymore. Like uh, then the next dollar you put into a channel uh, to the channel that works is actually a little bit better spent elsewhere because of some of the synergy effects. Yeah. And the synergy effects is kind of my, one of my big takeaways for diversifying, essentially. Yeah, what um, maybe we should just take a step back and say, what's a growth channel? Yeah. Just to kind of like paint the landscape of what we're, what we're talking about here. So for, for me, a growth channel can actually be anything. Like um, a, a growth channel for me can be anything that helps you drive your overall goal which is typically, let's say, let's make it simple. So let's say you want to drive revenue. So a growth channel for me is something that helps drive revenue. In a typical B2B company, well, it could be a growth channel, could be a face, Facebook, but it could equally be outbound as a channel, yeah. like having uh, people, a BDR sit there and call, cold call. That could be, that's a growth channel in my perspective. I don't view it as different in, in, from that sense. So to come back to your question, what are growth channels? Well, they can be multiple things. As long as they're aiming and achieving the same goal, and it's a channel you can turn up and down. So it's not like you, you can also say, hey, is your revenue operations, is that a growth channel? No, but it can help you understand your growth channels, right? Mm. So a growth channel could be Facebook, could be LinkedIn, Google Ads, Twitter, TikTok, whatever it is. That's that's a channel-based marketing approach, but it could also yeah. be your uh, outbound department. It could also be yeah. your partner marketing, referral programs, SEO. All of this could technically be growth channels in my from my perspective. Yeah, and agree. And I think we, at some point we can also talk about the, the, which stage your company is at. Kind of yeah. like the first thing you need to is find just find one channel that works. Yeah, at some point you then also need to realize that maybe you're just fighting a too tough battle staying within one channel where there could be like a potential blue ocean at another place. Yeah. It could also Absolutely. be that's uh, you know just in terms of the outbound example, you know, it's yeah. illegal, illegal to send spam mails in a lot of European countries. What if, yeah, what if it was legal to call people in a lot of European companies? And then that whole, if your whole company was built on that one channel, then you're in a pretty bad situation if it gets shut down or you get thrown out of Google ads or, you know, whatever could happen. Yeah, exactly. And I, th I think that's uh, and that's the whole point of this topic is that a lot of companies, I've actually seen there's a really good question in chat. I'll, I'll take that right after. Uh, to yeah. a super cool question. really appreciate that. But um, I just want to point out there's like the, the whole, the main, one of my main arguments for doing this is that you want to hedge your risk. Like hedging risk is kind of like an investment term, but here, here is pretty spot on. So let's let's pull it back and say, let's take one of the examples I've been experiencing. So back when I was running paid acquisition for Templify, we were, we were spending quite a lot, like uh, six, six digits a month on different channels, uh, on multiple different channels, right? But we were relying at that point, we were relying very heavily in, in that period on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn was a very big channel for us. Google Ads was also a big channel. LinkedIn mm. and Google Ads are different channels and they serve different purposes where Google Ads is like a very high intent, typically if you do it properly, maybe. But but it's very demand capture focused, right? Like you're mm. capturing demand where LinkedIn typically, especially these days, is very demand generation focused. But uh, from one day to another, like and actually it was a January, it's two years ago now. Some suddenly the prices on everything we did on LinkedIn just went ballistic. Like it went yeah. three to four times higher you know, over over the span of two months. And I was like, okay, uh, what do we do here? Because that yeah. that was enough for, at that point back then to break the bank to make it. Eh, it's not it's not gonna work anymore. Like yeah. it's not an it's not yeah. a good case. But 
four, four or five months before that, I had started testing Facebook. And a lot of people were back back then. You have to remember this is like a few years ago. Back then, people were like you can't do B two B on Facebook. Blah blah yeah. blah. I've never I've never kind of bought into that. <laughs> no. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Let's let's just see if we can make it work. And I did make it work. It actually worked. Did it work? But the point is, it didn't work as well as LinkedIn, but it worked. Mm. And because we could, we had that, we suddenly had a third channel per se that we could invest the money in. Yeah. So it was very easy to see once we spotted. Okay, this LinkedIn stuff, it's not going away. Boom, we shifted almost all of the budget over to Facebook. And we didn't get the same ROI. No. But we got a lot better ROI than we had when when the when the changes came to infect on LinkedIn. So yeah. suddenly we were actually able to, within the span of two weeks, to shift almost 80% of our budget over to Facebook. And then once then LinkedIn calmed down again, we could switch a bit of it back. And not, sometimes it doesn't come back. I think especially yeah. when you see channels like when you talk about organic SEO, like uh, especially search engine optimization channels, or if you can call it that. Those like algorithm changes, especially ones that are coming, going to come out here with open GPT, uh, AI, all that stuff, right? There's going to be a lot of people impacted. And those, if you've betted all your efforts on that channel, suddenly an algorithm change can hit you really hard and may, there yeah. might not be a way back. So here we were lucky that it was going to get back. We had a way back, but you never know. So one of my main arguments for diversifying in general is to hedge your risk, actually. It's really, really good. And it's not something I recommend to a three-man startup. It's like, no. not, hey, this is your first marketing bucks. I wouldn't do that. But once you reach scale-up size, let's say, just as a benchmark, let's say you're 50 employees, you start to have a, somewhat of a solid uh, marketing team and, and somewhat of a solid spend every month, then you need to consider diversifying a little bit. Yeah. I'm a bit, <laughs> I'm both agreeing and then also, I don't know if I'm disagreeing or not, but I think- That's cool. One of the things that I've seen is that it's, it's also important that you really milk whatever is working because that what's working is what's going to fuel all the other experiments that you want to do. So kind of yes. as when you do hit, hit the oil where it's floating, then yeah. like you need to kind of double or triple the investment where like you see a good return on it. Yes. So it's, it's a hard balance between them, but you also need to kind of put some, start some small experiments other places. So when this thing explodes in price or whatever it does, then you're ready to move over to these other experiments. And I think it's very important to say, I, I actually agree. I don't think we disagree here, uh, Stefan. Mm -hmm. I actually think we agree because like, I'm not advocating for, hey, uh, let's do a complete split between, let's say, the three channels from before. Let's, we're not, I'm not advocating for that, but I'm advocating for maybe do a 45, 45 and then 10% split. Like, so mm -hmm. have the last 10% allocated for Facebook. Yes, yeah. it's less ROI than LinkedIn, but I think an important part, and this actually answers uh, your question, Tova. Uh, yeah. Isn't it important exactly. to understand where your customers de facto are or are they also uh, diversified? is the diversification in where people are. So um, of course, uh, Dream, Dream Data can kind of track uh, the customer journeys and stuff. But let's be honest, like you never, like there will always be customer journeys you didn't plan for. Mm. And yes, and some like, for instance, with United Fintech, good example here, a lot of the people we were dealing with were suddenly using WhatsApp. Like WhatsApp is not a big thing in Denmark, at least in my opinion. But WhatsApp is, is pretty big in the financial environments. Also the same with the people that we were looking into, people who invest in crypto, well, do you know what platforms they use? They use a lot of Reddit. So those platforms are like, okay, cool. If I just went to standard approach, I would never even test them, right? But mm. here we were like, okay, let's do small tests on Reddit. Let's do small tests on Quora. I've tested Quora, TikTok, whatever it is. Small tests. Of course, it's not like we're not trying to waste budget here. We're looking for something that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but just because you have a 400 times ROI on LinkedIn doesn't mean that your 300% ROI on Reddit is bad. 
And the important part is, and we are really, really want to emphasize this, is when you set up your retargeting. So retargeting, I, I literally, I'm not joking. I set up retargeting on almost everything I get my hands on. For me, it's just about making a statement. Like it's about saying, okay, dude, we are everywhere. And sometimes like, especially these small channels, Reddit, Quora, even sometimes like, you know, can also do Facebook or even some display. I don't have display retargeting Ooh. on Google ads, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but I advocate for it because it gives out, especially when you're a startup scale up kind of, or startup going scale up, it gives out a vibe that you are the place to be. You are yeah. like, people see you everywhere. Yeah. And that solidifies if they see you or if you do what you guys are doing, which I love on in Dream Data, social selling, you guys are everywhere on, on organic like posting, Laura's everywhere, you yeah. are everywhere. I love love it. Super cool. And then imagine you also go to websites and suddenly you say display banners. And when you go to Extra Blood or CNN and, yeah. and suddenly you go to you go to Facebook and you also see ads for Dream Data. And I'm like, okay, I gotta try these guys, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. But I agree. It's, and I think like we're talking because coming from a both of us have a B2B background. So that's the game we know. And I, I yeah. in B2B, you're really trying to kind of do that kind of boiling the ocean approach. <laughs> so I really agree with the retargeting because there's nobody who's going to sign your contracts with their like five or six digits if they just see you once or click one ad. Like keep showing up to build trust in the, in the brand, hopefully delivering some quality ads, content, etc. So I think I completely agree on the point of retargeting everywhere. Maybe step into the buyer journey through Google search, but then retarget on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I don't know if you can do that on Reddit, uh, other places as well. Yeah, you can. And I think the, the powerful thing is also that once you invest in these other channels, especially in the retargeting part of these other channels, yeah. your ROI on that is insane. I just want to point it out because that because then you're kind of extracting all the efforts you're doing elsewhere, right? Yeah. So all the stuff you're doing on LinkedIn, all the stuff you're doing on Facebook, while now you're suddenly reaching people you might not be reaching before. And that's also an important part. Like the people who you who you might have engaged with, like let's say the people who come to your website through organic. Maybe for some reason, I don't know what planet they're on, but there are some people who don't use LinkedIn. Let's say use that as an example, yeah. right? And then they, but they use Reddit and those could still potentially be interesting customers, right? Yeah. And now suddenly, because you didn't have retargeting on Reddit, you would probably never capture them. But now because you're doing display retargeting and doing Reddit retargeting or something, well, maybe, maybe that's enough. I've seen it be enough. I, I have a, a really cool case. We did a Templify where we talked to a potential customer. Let's just call her working for one of the biggest companies in the world. Let's just say that. <laughs> really big. And she was really a high brand. I think she was a brand manager. If I, don't, if I'm yeah. I remember I listened to the, to, the, to the sales call and she was like, I, I got to say something, guys. I see you everywhere. Like mm. everywhere I go, I see you guys. Like on LinkedIn, on Facebook, whatever it is. My daughter's like, eh, eh, and she sees it all the iPad. And she like, whatever I go, it's like, and I was like, yeah. And I was like mapping down her journey. And she's like, she's seen us on LinkedIn, Facebook. She's seen on us on Taboola. Back then we mm. used Taboola, right? Yeah. Uh, Taboola Outbrain, that mix match. Uh, we used Taboola Outbrain and we used a little bit of Reddit. I don't think she saw us on Reddit though. But those were the three channels plus some display and Google ads. She saw us on all four platforms. And she was like, you must have a huge marketing budget. You guys mm. must be enormous. And then that built like some, like a heavy amount of trust with her. So she was like, yeah. you guys must be, have a huge marketing budget because you're awesome. I see you everywhere and stuff like that. Right. So, and that was because we had this like diversification strategy where like, it's not like we're not spending all of our money on diversifying, but at least 10% uh, on our, of our total paid spend goes yeah. to di diverse channels. If you can call yeah. it that. 
let's pull up this question. I have another question, but let's just go with this one. So how do you diversify different content types on different channels to see traction, uh, i.e. video, picture, copy, and, and so forth? Is that important as well, Casper, or is it or is it more like from a channel perspective? I think that's more from a channel perspective. Uh, and I actually think maybe you even have a better response to this than I do. But my, my take would be, it's it's totally channel dependent, right? Like uh, I, I think uh, my my take has always been your message has to be somewhat the same. Your value prop has to go like be the same across the channels, right? So let's say you're, you're in the case of Templify, we were talking to brand managers, right? And we were talking about how they could easily rolled out rebrands and stuff like that. Let's say that. Yeah. And if that's what you catch them on, and that's the thing you want to catch them on, you, you believe is powerful, then you want to might, might shift it up and do different angles of that. That could be a video, that could be another picture, it could be a different copy, but the value prop, the essential value prop has to remain somewhat similar. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think the different media also works a little bit different and it also... Yes, yeah. It's also more suitable for different types of the, different times of the day, really. Like when I bike back into work, I typically listen to some sort of a podcast. Mm -hmm. And if your company only offers written long form content, then I'm probably never going to have enough time to consume <laughs> this, this content. So there is there is something about offering media content types that suits different people and maybe some people just only watch this video so there's there's I totally agree. Also some diversification in in that uh, I, I can absolutely I, I totally agree like I can't say too much I, I just I just mm. agree I think it's a, I think it's important that you to start diversifying I don't think you want to spread too thin like I think uh, you want to be like for instance yeah. in United fintech we had a decision to make we were like we didn't have resources to both do a podcast and do webinars so we were like yeah. let's start by uh, setting up a webinar program where we consistently build webinars because I think yeah. consistency is a general thing around what, what content you produce. Yeah, or like stay with your, like just pick up whatever you're best at. If you're a great writer, then yes. write. Or like if you're great at doing webinars, then, then do that. But it comes back to, it's like, it's kind of interesting. So let's say you do webinars, right? Like, and this is something I talk a lot about uh, with, with uh, Jennifer from Onomando as well and other yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's that... Let's say you do a webinar in the past, and I was not good at this five years ago. In the past, I would be like, yeah, we've done a webinar. Yes, all good. Let's let's use it a little bit, and that's fine. But these yeah. days, I'm like, I'm almost religious about how we repurpose the content you produce. And that kind of answers the question a little bit, because like, let's say you do a webinar. Well, then you take that webinar, you turn it into a podcast that people yeah. can listen to. You also turn it into a YouTube video. You turn it into reels on Instagram. You turn yeah. into reels, yeah. what do you call it? Reels on TikTok? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I can't remember stories on TikTok. Uh, I'm not, not a TikTok expert per se. Uh, but you turn it into small pieces on TikTok. You turn it into multiple different social posts, both for your team and for your yeah. company page. Yeah. You turn it into a blog post. You turn it into nurture emails and all these things. And you got to have a strategy for how to do that. Mm. And then suddenly the question of what do we do with different channels? Well, you if you produce one great piece of content like a webinar, then you have your answer. If you need a block, well, you already repurposed it. If that's the best suited for that channel, use the yeah. block. Yeah. If it's a webinar, uh, like a video, use that or whatever it is, right? I hope that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if we then look at, okay, so we agree we should diversify. What is the, then the process of selecting the next channel, the next experiment that you would recommend people go for then? That's a really good question. And I wish I had a really good answer for that. I don't. <laughs> so for me, it's always been like, you kind of do this like customer journey buyer mapping all the time, right? 
So one of the things you, you can do, and I've done in the past, is kind of like talk to customers and figure out what are the channels they hang out on. Like, for instance, this WhatsApp thing, I would have never known around United Fintech if I hadn't talked to our salespeople and hadn't been on demos around it. Here I discovered, okay, it's about WhatsApp. So how, what can we do with WhatsApp? What are the things, some of the things we can we can look into? So that was kind of like, unfortunately, I didn't get to do much of it because I left. But you know, but WhatsApp was was big on my list of things to try in 2023 to crack. Yeah. And that was because our audience was extreme, like quite heavily on WhatsApp, right? And the same yeah. goes for, for uh, when we had uh, back in Templify days. I had a bunch of really interesting keywords that kept popping up. And I was like, hmm, where, where, where do these people hang out? Where do they find information? Yeah. And of course, yeah, you can find LinkedIn and stuff, but we're already on LinkedIn, right? We're doing this on LinkedIn. So I was like, maybe we can find somewhere else. So I started like, where do people go for information? So I started looking into that. And then I found, okay, there's, a, there's actually back then, this is a few years ago. I can't remember yeah. the data today. Yeah. But a place like Quora actually got the same amount of traffic per month as Twitter. Hmm. Just want to point that out, like, and there's all the talk about Twitter, especially these days. But why is nice? Yeah. No one talk about. It. I don't think Quora is that interesting and anymore, but it's still still up there. And yeah. the same Reddit. I think I haven't looked at recently, but I think Reddit is even more popular than Twitter these days. So why are we all talking about investing in Twitter when maybe potentially we should be investing in Reddit? Yeah. Everybody talks about communities and building communities. Well, Reddit is one big pile of different communities, yeah. right? I found a community for people who cared about template management. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't like, that's not for me, but you know, back for Templify, that was perfect. And the yeah. same for, um, for United FinTech. There's so many FinTech and finance and financial in, uh, structure uh, communities on Reddit and other places. Yeah, and I think that's uh, a good place to start. Yeah, there's, a, there's some exercises you can do to, to get smarter on this. And I think what Tove is saying there is like go where your customers are and what i i, yeah. I hear that as i typically recommend to one always do an exercise to define your ideal customer profile it can be a pain to do because you have to yeah. accept that you cannot sell to any, everybody but once it's done you'll thank us later and then kind of i apply that kind of seth godin made this book called tribes and a, a, a tribe of people can be you know many things but if you think about surfers then surfers they want to go to certain beaches they look at certain medias they follow certain influencers they participate in certain events etc and instead of being present in the whole world if you could just mm. point out those few places that your ideal customer profile as you said yes. hang out hang out on the internet mm. that at least helps you to understand the world you should be considering for what could be the next channel a year a couple of years back you were pretty big on on growth hacking and I think yeah. there's some methodologies from there that is worth like bringing into to this discussion. Absolutely, no, absolutely. Like for me, I think it's um, maybe it's important to state for me. So for me, growth hacking today has is kind of split into two things in my world, and I think most people misunderstand it. So the real growth hacking is a quite meticulous process, right? Yeah. Like uh, you have ideation and analysis, testing, and rapid experimentation. This whole circle of feedback loop you essentially build, right? where I think most people come in is like this growth mindset. So actually having this about like, okay, let's try things fast, test things fast and do like do a lot of the steps that you have in growth hacking, but not do the whole full process. So a lot of people who call themselves growth hackers actually haven't done the whole process because the whole process is actually really not that, like it's not that easy. Like in, in the sense that don't get me wrong, it, the steps are quite easy, but you have to be pretty meticulous about it. 
And I think for both you and I, Stefan, I would say we both have quite of a growth mindset in that we love to test things and we are more than willing to throw a bunch of our hours and into testing things. And we like to come up with all, all these different ideas. And then we're like, okay, which one should we go? And that's prioritization. It's, mm. We just don't have it mapped down in this like meticulous process with growth teams to tie maybe yeah. necessarily into a product. I haven't had that in a while at least, right? Yeah. I think um, for me, that that's how this, this whole topic ties into that at least. Yeah. If you've done kind of the def definition of your ideal customer profile, then you can you can do a brainstorm in your team and say what are the best ideas we have for things we can do to attract more people yes should we go to events should we start a podcast should we create a TikTok profile whatever is right exactly. for you come up with all the ideas and then discuss what's easiest what's hard what's the value of this etc and i think it just as much as it's a diversification budget it's also a testing budget right like yeah. uh, you can also call it that a little bit right because um it's just if you don't test other places if you don't test other things you will never find the ones that can support you along the way like right? it's just like um the best example i have i when white when reddit ads came out i was one of the first ones to test it like yeah. the very first ones and i can promise you it was dirt cheap like yeah. it was really yeah. really cheap and I remember I did a test by accident where I turned on, on my ads. I left, usually when you do Reddit ads, you kind of say, okay, you don't want people to comment on it because like it kind of go wild. Yeah. <laughs> by, so by accident, I left it on so people could comment on it. But, you know, it actually turned out to be the best thing ever because hmm. then suddenly we got feedback on the ad in a way I've never seen before. Yeah. Like, like so you, you, you do ads, like you do ads on the time on LinkedIn, Facebook. You don't get a lot of feedback on those, no, like, especially in this like B2B. We don't really get feedback on these. Here on Reddit, like I had a hundred comments in a week or something <laughs> like that. It was crazy. And some of them were like, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand what you, hey, this seems really smart. I should talk to my boss. It was like stuff like that. And then I was like, okay, cool. Let's go in and talk to these people. So I went in and wrote to them and, and suddenly funny. they were like, this is awesome. This is how you do marketing. And, you know, yeah. kind of spiraled out from there. And the point of this is it was super cheap. Like, of course, it requires some of my hours, some time of me to try and test this, mm. but it didn't cost any, like it did, almost didn't cost anything to have these ads live because, you know, most people put their money in, in three, like two channels, right? They put it in Facebook and put it in Google, Google ads. That's, that's where 90% of all the budget goes, right? Yeah. So... Maybe another component to this is also that you might need to have to go to ask for more budget, either headcount or ad spend or, yeah. or something like that. And I'm just thinking like how, yeah, how do you go execute and get this uh, distrust of more budget? Because like, yeah, <laughs> what are the questions you should be prepared to, to answer, I guess, is, 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 yeah. is what I'm thinking on. And that's a very good question, right? And uh, and I wish, like, so one of the things I talk a lot about, and I know you talk a lot about this too, that's the whole essence of what you guys try to do in Dream Data, right? Is tying your marketing efforts back to revenue. But I don't think when you talk about this diversification part, it's not that different than from any other marketing initiative you want to do, right? It's essentially saying you have to build a case around and say, okay, we yeah. believe by doing this, it will strengthen XYZ KPI. Whatever yeah. that is, if that's your conversion rate, if that's your sales cycle will be shorter because you do it, or in total, like, hey, we will close this, get this amount of MQLs, SQLs, and that will become weighted pipeline and close one. Yeah, go. So I don't think that necessarily is different. I think that discussion needs to happen anyway. Like you need to constantly have this discussion of say, how does marketing contribute to revenue? So yeah. when you actually, and the good thing is if you keep doing that and you keep doing well, it's not necessarily always the case, but let's say you do well. 
then it's a lot easier to justify doing these things. If you're like, mm -hmm. hey, marketing, market, I think we had one point, we had a 12, uh, 12 times return on paid spend in, in Templify in, in, a, <laughs> in a year, right? It's crazy, right? Um, we spent more than... And then it's like, we did, we, we did, okay. we did spend a lot. <laughs> and I just used that as, as a frame for saying, once you have that and you don't need to have that, like in United Fintech here, I think I had a four or five at the end here, right? So it's also yeah. pretty solid, but then it's a lot easier to say, guys, hey, I want to spend a little bit on this. I want to test mm. if that's a good case. And then you build a case. I'm a PowerPoint kind of guy. So what, what I've done in the past, sometimes it's just like build a PowerPoint with one, two, yeah. three slides saying, hey, I want to do this. This is why I want to do it. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what I think it's, it's going to, the impact yeah. is going to be of it. Boom. I think, I think, this is a little bit off track, but it's I think it's a huge part of marketing being able to explain why you do these things yeah. to the rest of the organization in a language that they understand. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, then the CFO is just like in times like these, yeah, 50% of your budget, it's gone. I don't, yeah, no questions asked. That's just how it is. I, I talked to a, I talked to a potential uh, customer for Spartforce today and uh, she was awesome, really cool, had a lot, a lot of good input. And she was like, uh, and she was talking about how to generate more leads in general, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think first thing before you even talk, like one of the first things I would always do in a marketing department, no matter how big it is, like uh, is just sit down and say, what are we chasing? Like, what, yeah. why are we here? Like, yeah. we are here to generate revenue. That's what yeah. we go. Once yeah. you start aligning on revenue and focusing on that, then this conversation becomes a lot easier because like suddenly you're not fighting against sales, you're fighting with them. And you want to make sure you're fine with it. I know you guys wrote some blog posts about it. I think actually, I think that was really cool. But but you guys talk a lot about it. You, you worked a lot on that and Stefan. And I know a lot of teams struggle with this, like alignment between sales and marketing. And by having a mutual goal, the same goal, funnily enough, alleviates a lot of that. It can be so stressful to be in marketing if you don't have like clear agreements of what goals are. And you cannot have 20 different focuses because you cannot do 20 things well. You can like pick one, two, three things that this is what we do. Yes. Otherwise, you just end, end up spreading way, way, way too thin. And like, we want to do events, we want to do online marketing, you want yes. to do product marketing, you need to do brand slides, etc. And then you kind of yeah. just stress the fuck out because there's any, if everything is important then nothing uh, is important. Yeah, and I agree. I think uh, Simon actually ask, is asking yeah, a bit like a uh, pretty good question here. Uh, it's a bit of a long read one. read it out loud if uh, we need yeah. it later. Many good advice from you guys. Thank you. <laughs> but it sounds like a lot of advice are for larger teams. Uh, many B2B startups out there only have one to two marketers. What's the top five things and activities and channels you would focus on if you only had a two-person marketing team? A really cool question, Simon. Thanks for asking. I just want to point out, uh, it's extremely hard for me to say anything about like top channels, top activities. I actually, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I don't think you can do that. Like it's super contextual. So I think one of the things I'm kind of working on is like one of the things I talk with the, the people I work with these days is that first you decide what your go-to-market strategy is. Like, and that can be unif uniform across a lot of different things, but typically in B2B marketing, it's a spread across, like there's four different pillar strategies you kind of work with. You kind of work with either potentially account-based marketing is one of them. You have demand generation, you have demand capture, and you have thought leadership, like this, like a little bit bigger thing. Those are the four, like, yes, there can be some outliers and stuff around, but those in 95% of the cases, those are the four kind of pillars you work with. And within those pillars, then there's a lot of different uh, channels and activities you could do. So let's say you do, if you do demand capture, well, then you're looking at Google ads, you're maybe looking at Bing ads, you may be looking at 
bottom funnel stuff, uh, retargeting on LinkedIn. You're looking at uh, some LinkedIn stuff that's very niche in targeting and stuff like that. Yeah. But either way, you're, that's the place to come into play here. Let's say you do uh, account-based marketing. Well, uh, for ABM, I wouldn't, I don't think I would touch Google ads on would would uh would no. would would a fire right like so here it's a lot is it more LinkedIn focused it's more uh, maybe high level programmatic around some stuff placement placements you can do and you can do a lot of cool things in ABM you can use uh, an outbound team suddenly becomes way more interesting to have in collaboration with what you do and so my point is just to say for each of these like overall go to market pillars then you have to decide what bets to make. And that's where I get to. So when you're one or two people, I was one people, uh, Simon, uh, two years ago at United Fintech. When I started, it was me. We had a one pager in HubSpot. That's all we had in marketing. There was nothing else. One pager in HubSpot, it was a green color. And so I had to build a website. And that was kind of like, say, so what I did was build a go-to-market strategy, build a strategy. That's the first thing I did. Say, okay, these are the bets we're going to make. I'm betting on these three things are the things that are going to impact us this year. And these are the things that are helping us going to build our foundation so we can put other things on top of it. Yeah. So especially when you start out, you say, okay, what's the foundation of our growth? I'm not advocating for diversifying day one. I think that's yeah. really important. But once uh, you yeah. have a, uh, a, different a, stage, flavor, a different flavor you, that I think I at least think is a good way to start for a lot of small teams is to think about the people who are in market right now for a service yes. like ours, where, where, what are they doing? And I think there's, what would you call them? High intent, long tail keyword searches on Google. Yeah, that's exactly. We want to be bidding for those because if they're like buy X software, then yeah. try to buy that click. Um, I would think also a lot of times review platforms is a place where people are quite Katera, G2 crowd decision yep. journey. Uh, I don't know where else. Uh, probably there's similar like both search ads, but all, there's also some organic pieces of content you can make. That yeah, are absolutely. It's like in-market behavior right now. I wouldn't focus on... The, the, like no, to be honest, like that was that's ex- no, but that's exactly yeah. what I did at United Fintech. And I'm not even like exactly what I did. So, like my my argument is always once you start out, like I'm all for demand generation and stuff. Like I, that's all. That's why we are here. Like that's kind of what we're doing right here right now. But initially, when you have a product and you're just launching and you're getting yeah. started, the first thing you want to prove is that you can sell to people who are already looking for your product. If you can't sell, if you can't convert these type of people, your, all your demand generation efforts are not like, it's going to be really tough. So the first thing you can do is say like, okay, if somebody is searching for marketing attribution software, yes, if you can't convert those people, then you have a bad landing page, you maybe have a that product or whatever yeah. it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you guys can convert these easily. But my point is, if you can't convert them, then all the other efforts are kind of nonsensical. But once you've proven that, then a lot of other things become interesting. Because, you know, there might just be one person who searches for that a year. But let's say, let's find that one person first or 10 people or whatever it is yeah. and find th- those 10 people, convert those and say, okay, now we took the those who are le- looking for our solution right now. We tested, we found out we can close those. Then we gotta work on the other stuff. Yeah, and like like it's like very tangible thing. Make sure you have stellar retargeting set up initially. Yes. So at least everybody who do set their foot on your website, you make sure that you follow them all the way around the internet yeah. afterwards as well. Uh, Simon, if that doesn't cover it, then do right. Exactly. Cool. Casper, um, is there any last things we think we should talk before we stop today? I think we covered most of it. I was just looking at my notes. I think uh, yeah. I think I think I covered most of uh, what I wanted to chat about. I think it's just important that you remember where, like, with all this advice that people like you and I give to people, 
Like, yeah. um, it's always contextual. And I just yeah. want to make sure that people understand that. I'm not advocating that every single business out there does this. I'm just mm. saying, once you reach a certain stage where you have a marketing team with a few people and you have some marketing spend, then you need to consider if this needs to be a thing. Yeah. What channel it is you diversify to, whatever it is you do, I'll leave that up to you. But you need to, there's a point in your journey where this becomes relevant. And it happens sooner than people think. I think especially, so I don't do a lot with e-commerce. I don't work with e-commerce, but I think it's e-commerce has an extreme tendency to rely on way too few channels. Yeah. Uh, typically, uh, it's Google Shopping, right? Like Google Shopping is 90% of all. I think I heard this crazy statistic the other day. E-commerce, I think they spend, like, it's like I want to say 80% of their Black Friday budget goes to Google Shopping. It's like it's crazy amounts. And I'm just saying, that's not like, that's not going to last forever. Like yeah. it's getting, and it's getting more and more expensive every single year. Does it work? Yes, it works. But it's wise to consider finding other channels that you can find ROI in eventually, right? I would almost, almost say like, you should always have like 10% of your budget, budget dedicated just to like diversification yes. experimentation yes. where like do your best, but don't uh, kind of accept also that stuff doesn't work out and just like try things you think could be funny to, to do. And because mm, sometimes totally it doesn't work out and then you can start pushing more budget in there. Yeah, but and exactly like let's take uh, like take you guys right, and now we get into the attribution area, right? But like it sometimes it's not the easiest. At least before you guys came, it was not the easiest to prove the what was the value of doing a podcast or doing mm. uh, like I think a podcast has always been my my go to pet peeve because <laughs> like so it's, it's it's still super hard, right? Like it's pretty hard. Like you can do self uh, reported attribution of like well, how did you hear about us? You can do uh, a discount code if you mention it. Like for instance, hey, sign up uh, for HubSpot through this podcast. Blah blah blah. Here's mm. The code yeah. and then you can then you can attribute it somehow but if you don't do those two things then you're like okay how do i actually attribute and i remember i had a case back and this uh maybe you're gonna hate this but sorry <laughs> but, and uh it was i think it was cognism who started demand generation right and i, yeah. I heard listen to alice who started talking about it and she was like well in the beginning i just said i allocated two percent of our budget to demand generation efforts and then I correlated it with direct traffic. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, my indirect traffic increased with the correlation of how much I spent. And I was like, that was enough for say, okay, let's keep testing this. So I was like, okay, I, I, I can buy that. I think even our director of data science would suggest like that, like all, all everything else being equal and that would be the only change you did, then that would be a way to express that, you know, something changed. Exactly. And, and sometimes that's, that's just what you have to do to get started, right? Cool. Let's say that's it for today. Casper, thank you so much for coming. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.